With Pastor Mike, I welcome you to Rivermont this morning and ask you to open your Bibles or one of the few Bibles to the book of 1 Peter to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we'll be exploring verses 4 to 8 as we continue our sermon series from the book of 1 Peter, Exiles in a Foreign Land. In 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3, to set the context, Peter uses the image of an infant being sustained with milk. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 8, our text for this morning, he abruptly changes metaphors to architecture, building a house with stones. Now notice that verse 4, though, flows out of verse 3 and refers back to it with the word him. Verse 4, as you come to him, and him is to whom we come to Christ, the one whose kindness you have tasted in salvation. That's the take from verse 3. And of course, how good the Lord Jesus is. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, then long for the word of Christ the way that a baby longs for milk. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, then come to Christ daily. This is the reading of God's word. First Peter chapter two, for the sake of context, I'll be begin reading at verse two. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You please join me in prayer. Our Father, as we come before you this day with burdens and joys, we pray that for a moment you would unburden our hearts to focus upon the things of greatest importance that you have given to us In Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, please come and make known to us the meaning of these words. Write them upon our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. By way of introduction, uh, please think with me about a couple of questions. And here's the first one. What are our pursuits in life? What do we pursue Do we pursue happiness, financial security, social acceptance, pleasure, power, authority? At issue here is that what we pursue most in this life has the tendency to be our God. The things we give ourselves to in this life are the things we often love the most. Now there is balance, please hear. 
For in a God-honoring way, we pursue a career to support ourselves and our families, our community. There are legitimate social and pleasurable pursuits, and it is not wrong to pursue happiness, at least biblically, contentment. However, there is one pursuit which must not elude us. It is the pursuit which must be sought relentlessly and given the first place in our lives. It is the pursuit of God in our worship of Him. Yes, we give time to our families, our jobs, and our pleasures, but all of these are to be pursued with God as the center of our lives. This means... If Jesus is not at the center of our lives, then we will be disoriented in this life and never be truly satisfied with any secondary, legitimate pursuits. As Jesus says, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-8, to God through His Word will encourage us to see what our spiritual pursuits and priorities ought to be. As we seek the certain foundation, Jesus Christ, the living stone. In pursuing Christ, we daily have opportunities, and here are our three points, of coming to Him, the living stone, the cornerstone, of being built up like living stones as a spiritual house, and in believing Christ, prayerfully not stumbling by rejecting Him. But let's begin with Christ the living stone, by coming to Him the living stone, the cornerstone. We see this in verse 4. Now here's the big picture again. Our relationship to God through Christ must be at the center of all we do, both individually and corporately. If God is not central, we are simply off track. If our collective devotion for Him is lacking in the household of faith, we're just playing church. Our passion at Rivermont is the renewing of lives through God's compelling love in Lynchburg and the world. And for God to be about renewing lives in our midst, we need our love for Christ to be central in who we are and in what we do. We do so in our worship, discipleship, and mission. What's key? We collectively keep God central by continually coming to Christ and building upon Him. Now, I see that and we see it from the opening phrase. As you come to Him. It's a present participle in Greek that has a meaning of as you continually come to Him. And the you is plural, meaning all of us are doing this as one household of faith. Yes, we come to Christ in salvation when we first put our trust in Him. Yet here the emphasis in 1 Peter 2 is that we continue coming to Christ daily in worship and in prayer and in mission through the Word of God on a daily basis. And we come to Christ repeatedly and we build our lives upon Him for help and for stability. Now notice how Peter defines the one to whom we come. Christ, the living stone. Which is a little perplexing. Why? Well, because stones typically do not live. The dissonance of the term should kind of grab our attention. That Christ is a stone, though, means that He is a solid foundation on which to build our lives. Christ is the cornerstone of the church. 
Just as building a house or a building, you want to make sure the foundation is solid since everything else rests upon it. So also with our lives as we build upon Christ, our solid foundation. And I hope you realize that Jesus Christ is the only solid foundation for time and for eternity. Thus, you place your trust in Him and know that you will not be disappointed or put to shame, as verse 6 states. And while Christ is the stone on which you can build everything in life, He is more. Notice that not only is He a stone, He is a living stone. He is living in the fact that He died for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised from the dead for our salvation. The living stone is triumphant over sin, death, and hell. He is the author and giver of life, able to impart spiritual life to all who believe in Him. He's living. Our faith is not a religion of going through dead rituals. No, praise God, it is a relationship with the living Lord of the universe. We come to Him We commune with Him daily, building salvation or building everything in our lives on who He is and on what He has provided for us in His death and resurrection. And in coming to Christ, it means that we let go of our own works as a means of salvation. Whether we trust not in ourselves or in what we may do to approach God, rather, we rest completely on Jesus Christ in all that we do and in our confidence before God Almighty. This means, dear family, that once you've trusted Christ as Savior, the entire Christian life is a process of discovering all that He is to you. As Peter has told us in the first chapter, God has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Christ, indeed, is our sufficiency. As we abide in Him and with Him daily and continually by faith, we learn that our primary need in life is to know Him. Now, two other notes in this first point. They're both in verse 4. Notice that Peter tells us that Jesus is rejected by men. The word rejected means tested and disapproved. The men includes the religious leaders of the first century who tested Christ and disapproved of Him, refusing to accept Him as the Messiah. It includes men today who reject Him. The living stone Christ was rejected by men after having been among them for 33 years. They repudiated their Messiah. Christ's worth by men was eventually assigned at 30 pieces of silver. And He was crucified, dead. He was buried. Yet men's rejection does not overcome the plan of God. Notice here what He goes on to say. Peter writes, For Jesus, this living stone, is chosen and precious in the sight of God. Jesus Christ is the chosen one of the Father to be Lord and King, Priest, Savior, Messiah. God the Father chose Him to be Lord of the universe, the Head of the church, the Savior of His people, and the Judge of the world. 
The very first choice in the Father's plan was to select His own Son to be the rock foundation upon which He would build the church. And He is also precious to the Father. He is highly honored. He is greatly valued. There is nothing more valuable in the whole universe upon which God will build the church. God gave the one closest to His own infinite heart, His dear Son, that we might be part of the church and have relationship with Him. So the questions in love as we conclude this first part. How are you doing in coming to Christ? Are you consistently taking time to come to Christ in personal devotion to build your life on Him as revealed in His Word? If not, then your priorities are off-center. You're building your life on the sand. And if we as a church do not keep central God by continually coming to Christ in all that we do, then our priorities are wrong. As a church, we're building work on the sand. Christ is choice and precious to God. And Christ must be choice and precious to us in our sight as well. So we embrace Christ, the living stone, coming to Him daily. And secondly, though, we are also being built up like living stones as a spiritual house. This is verse 5. Now this is really exciting. We can't help to erupt into praise. For Christ, the living stone, is building us up as living stones into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Collectively, we are living stones because Christ is the living foundation of the house. That's a little bit of a paradox again. Because now is evidence in comparison to the Old Testament house of God. The temple that was made back in those days, it was dead. There were dead stones. But now in the new covenant, His spiritual house, God's temple, is the living people of God. That's you and me. So the Apostle Paul writes, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with the price. So glorify God in your body. The price, the blood of Jesus that set us free, has also purchased us for the living house of God. Now imagine being living stones being built into this spiritual house. Think of the implications. Because we are a spiritual house and a holy priesthood, we need one another. We were never called to walk this life alone. As Paul proclaims, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, a brick is of little value by itself. It can only be used for minimal things like holding the door open. However, its usefulness is maximized when used alongside other bricks. Similarly, Apart from one another, we cannot complete the mission God has called us for us either individually or corporately. So I ask you, are you walking apart from other living stones in the house of God? 
But let me say to you, may we walk together as one spiritual house, as a holy priesthood. But notice also the implication, because we are a spiritual house, we recognize that the building is not complete. It's an ongoing process. The work of being built up is ongoing as God adds to our number. This reminds us that this work is a process like the building of any house. And when we are disappointed by sin or struggle in the church, we should be careful about the desire to quit or to give up on ourselves. We should be careful about the desire to quit or give up on others. Because the Lord is working in us. He's building us up into a holy priesthood. Our unity is strengthened by the cornerstone as we grow in Him. As we focus on intimacy with Christ, guess what happens? We will continually find more intimacy and joy with the members of God's house. Is that not wondrous? So we must continually come to Christ as He builds the house of God. But yet there's more implications here. It's amazing to me. Because we are a spiritual house and a holy priesthood offering sacrifices to God, everything we do is to the glory of God. Everything. It's biblical. That's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And oh, we're able to bear spiritual sacrifices to God. That includes the surrendering of our bodies in service to Him. That's from Romans 12. Prayer is a spiritual sacrifice. Praise is a spiritual sacrifice. Righteous acts are a spiritual sacrifice. This is all from different places in the Word. Giving is a spiritual sacrifice to God. Our evangelism of the lost is a spiritual sacrifice according to Romans 15. And this is one I love. Sacrificial love for the saints is a spiritual sacrifice of praise. Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And all dear family, because we are a spiritual house in a holy priesthood, we must be holy. We must be set apart. We allow the Word of God to convict our hearts and to repent humbly by His grace when we fall short. And yet, by the riches of His glory, we ask the Lord to strengthen us in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That's part of Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3. But we want as this house is being built up. We want Christ to dwell in our midst, in our hearts, do we not? He becomes our resident, not just a visitor. We seek to make Christ at home in our lives and in our church by the practice of holiness. This is a proper application to the church being the household of God. So let Christ be at home in our lives and in our fellowship. So here we are. We joyfully prioritize coming to Him, the cornerstone. We do this daily. We willingly yield to Him as we are being built up like living stones as a spiritual house. And lastly, there are two encouragements 
as we consider believing Christ or stumbling by rejecting Him. This is in verses 6 to 8. Now this is fascinating. For in verses 6 to 8, Peter shows where he got the idea of Christ as a living stone set down in Zion. And he does get this from three Old Testament passages. Peter likely looked for stone imagery in the Old Testament because Jesus, his master, did the same. Jesus quoted Psalm 118 in Matthew 21 in the parable of the tenants. So Peter learned from Jesus that the rejected stone is Jesus Christ Himself. Now there is something remarkable though about the way Peter quotes these three texts. He doesn't just quote them, he interprets them and he gives them an tremendously encouraging twist for people in our situation. We are exiles, remember, in a foreign land. Here it is. Believing on the stone, you cannot lose. From Isaiah 28 and verse 6. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. The New American Standard closes that by saying that as we believe in Him, we will not be disappointed. The point is this. As we think about what it means that we cannot lose... If you trust Christ, God's cornerstone, you will not be put to shame. You will not be disappointed. This stone will not prove faulty. Are you facing the storm? If you build your life on the stone, your life will not crumble in the storm. You feel insecure. If you hide behind this stone, you will be safe. You sometimes feel ashamed. Well, if you stand on the truth of this stone, you will not be ashamed as He pours His love over you. If you join with others in the spiritual house built on this stone, you will be proud of your foundation and your fellowship will stand. Then in verse 7a, Peter draws out the lesson in his own words. So the honor is for you who believe. And here's what I believe he's saying. Since Christ is the precious cornerstone, we have His honor as we join ourselves to Him. What great encouragement. You know, if there were ever a way never to be disappointed or ever a way not to be ashamed, wouldn't you want to embrace that way? Wouldn't you want to give all that you have to the very one who can keep us from being disappointed and not feeling shame? That way is to trust what Jesus will be for you as God's chosen and precious cornerstone. So God says, you cannot lose. You cannot be disappointed. And having done this, you cannot be put to shame. That is tremendously encouraging dear household of faith. Yet, Peter also says this negatively. 
But it's still encouraging if you bear with me. Here it is. Disbelieving the stone, you cannot win. In verse 7b, For those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You know, God sends His Son to be more to be the main stone in the building of His church, His people. And sadly, some do not trust Him. They reject Him. And sometimes we disbelieve Him too. But here's the question. What effect does rejecting the cornerstone have on the purpose of God? The answer is, your rejection, man's rejection, does not defeat God's purposes at all. For the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. If you believe on this stone, you cannot lose. If you disbelieve on Him, you cannot win. For human unbelief does not frustrate or defeat the ultimate purposes of God to bless a royal people as a holy priesthood. If God plans for Jesus to be the chief cornerstone and He has humans that sometimes betray Him or desert Him, deny Him, mock Him, strike Him, spit on Him, hit Him with rods, crown Him with grounds, strip Him, crucify Him, and bury Him, they will not defeat God's purpose. Disbelief will not frustrate God's ultimate purposes of glorifying His Son in a glorious people. Then comes the shock of verse 8. Quoting Isaiah 8. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the Word as they were destined to do. Peter's words at the end of this verse are intended to sever the last strand of our self-reliance. To this stumbling, this disobedience, they were destined. If any proud unbeliever would boast and say, I have chosen my own destiny, my own disobedience, my own stumbling to show God that I have the final and ultimate say in my life. I have the power of ultimate self-determination. If anyone boasts in such a way, or if we ever think we can control the destiny of our lives as a Christian people, people respond, Peter responds with the truthful words, No, you cannot. God and not man will have the last say. No mere human can thwart the ultimate purposes of God, not by unbelief or by belief. Now why does Peter teach such a thing? Well, again, it's because of encouragement. Oh, we may face difficult things in life, but none of the things that we face, even when it causes us to doubt at times, will ever keep God from fulfilling His purpose in you and for me. And in this, we rejoice. So will you join me in earnest prayer that Rivermont, as a spiritual house, that we as a holy priesthood will pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming to Him, the cornerstone. 
being built up like living stones as a spiritual house, believing Christ, not stumbling by rejecting Him. For in coming into the presence of Christ, we avail ourselves of daily prayer and the study of His Word, Christian community, for it is our greatest honor to come to this precious stone. And in being built into a spiritual house, know we need one another. And as God's spiritual house, we should be a holy place set apart for God's worship, discipleship, and mission. We labor in prayer for others. We serve others as priests in order to please and to glorify our God. We keep on believing in Christ and we share in the honor of Christ. The glory given to Christ by God has been given to us. John 17, look at it. We embrace Christ and we rejoice in His honor and glory. In the name of God the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.